Hello and welcome back everybody. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas and New Year period. Uh, we are kicking off 2023 with a very exciting guest. I'm very happy to be joined today for our first episode of this year by artist, illustrator and nightmare maker Trevor <laughs> Henderson. Hello. Um, Tre Hi Trevor. <laughs> Trevor is responsible for some of the most horrifying creatures I've ever seen in my life, which is a compliment, absolutely a compliment, um, including Siren Head, who everyone knows, Forest Dog, Cartoon Cat, and my personal favorite, Mr. Bag. <laughs> nice. The, the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, most recently, you can catch one of Trevor's ghastly visions in Scare Package 2, um, which I haven't I haven't caught yet, but it's on my list. I've been meaning to get to it over Christmas, um, which Same. will be my first for the new year. <laughs> uh, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and to talk about a horror movie. I want to ask you a couple of things about horror in general before we get into it. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Because your art is so monumentally horrifying. Thank you. I know that you're a movie fan as well. The two obviously go hand in hand now, but was there like a, partic like a particular horror film that kicked your interest off, like got you into the art world? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been... Uh... I've always been drawing stuff since I was really young, and I've always been drawing horror stuff since I was really young because I started getting into horror before I even started getting into art because my dad uh, was and is and continues to be a massive, massive horror fan. Mm. So I, th I think it might have been like even the beginning was, you know, dipping into my dad's collection of Fangoria's that he had in, under the bedside table, and then that turned into like Stephen King and, and Goosebumps and... I was reading Stephen King at the same time as I was reading Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, so those two bounced off each other pretty mm -hmm. pretty early. Um, and my dad, you know, exposed me to horror movies really young as well, which uh, bless him for. Um, it's just kind of shaped my entire artistic career from the from before it even existed, um, more or less. And then, you know, as I got older and started taking in more and more, uh, you know, movies from different countries and, and uh, the, the means of watching these movies expanded a little bit, um, then it, I think, informed my art. And uh, especially when I found found footage movies, um, that really uh, obviously has been uh, very impactful for uh, the last four or five years of my art career. Before that, I did a lot of, like, fan art and stuff, which is, mm -hmm. is very fun. Um, uh, lots of, like, ink drawing um, and uh, watercolor uh, horror movie posters, like tribute posters, that kind of thing. Um but only just recently has the found footage genre been like specifically what uh, has been most impactful. I really want to get into that found footage bit just a little bit later. So put a pin in that for now because I want to ask you something specific about that. Um, but I also wanted to ask you about the book that you're currently working on for Scholastic. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I'm hoping to do a big cover and title reveal really soon. Um, but it is written. It's a middle grade kids book. Uh, for Scholastic, uh, that involves uh, a bunch of kids dealing with a whole bunch of different monsters in a small town. Um, it's kind of my take on that, you know, kids on bikes versus monsters. Love that. Um, being, you know, accessible for, for really young kids, like I, like the age I was when I first discovered Goosebumps and Scary Stories, and, but also still like not dulling or, um, diluting hopefully any of the horror that a lot of small kids and, and a kid audience has come to my um, art for. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully it's really scary and it gives a bunch of kids nightmares and it's going to have a bunch of um, interior illustrations um, in black and white in the kind of the Stephen Gamel style. That's going to be so cool because go, going back to what you said earlier about, you know, getting into horror at a young age through Stephen King and scary stories, like book illustrations are one of the first places that children really get terrified, you know, bef before they can watch horror films and before they're like introduced to horror on a wider scale, it's, it's scary stories and it's fiction that, um, that gets them into that. So I think that's, you know, that's so great to, to, to grow that seed and grow a bunch of little horror freaks. Like we absolutely are. something about your work. It really reminds me of like the, the kind of creepy pasta images that you would see on, on the internet like oh what's it called oh, like smile dog um oh yeah yeah i love going, that's one of my favorites he's iconic like and though i remember seeing those at quite a, a young age not that young but then i know having taught children in the past that they have seen these images and they're like teacher do you know about this like cursed image 
And I, it's so great to see that like little spark in them that comes from specifically just comes from pictures on the internet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I hear about uh, kids talking about Siren Head constantly and that if that's my legacy, that's like the best. I'm so into that. I love that there's like, I made up some character on the internet and like four or five years on, it's now like uh, something that kids run around and, and terrorize each other with on the playground. That's like the best thing in the world. You'll be pleased to know actually that I used to teach overseas in Korea and Japan and they are aware of your, uh, the children I used to teach and knew about Siren Head <laughs> as well. So you have also crossed over into uh, Japan, which as we're going to get into is, you know, the, uh, the best world of horror. So we don't have an FFO today because there was a particular film and director that I specifically wanted to talk to you about, Trevor. So today we are diving into Koji Shiraishi's malevolent mockumentary, Noroi the Curse. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, stop listening now and go and watch it. Um, a brief little rundown, the briefest I could do without getting convoluted. Um, Noroi is a 2005 Japanese found footage mockumentary that follows the last days of paranormal researcher Masafumi Kobayashi, who has mysteriously disappeared. Uh, throughout the footage, we discover that Kobayashi was researching various people, including a child psychic named Kana and an eccentric psychic named Hori, who are all pieces of the puzzle involving this ancient demon named Kagutaba and the woman Jonko Ishii, who is trying to summon it. It does not end well for anybody. No. <laughs> um, no. And it is quite a, a horrific and nasty piece of work. So I have been on a Shiraishi kick for most of last year. I mean, I always was into Noroi from quite a young age and, um, you know, more of his films. But in 2022 is when I really wanted to, you know, find about all the like Senitsukaiki files and like the stuff that is only are like available on YouTube. Um, anyway, Letterboxd kindly informed me yesterday that Koji Shiraishi was not only my most watched director of 2022, but he was also my most watched actor. So, <laughs> so I had a good good year for Shiraishi. Um, Trevor, what is your history with Shiraishi and Noroi and Japanese horror in a more general sense? Um. Uh, well, I love Japanese horror. Uh, I first came upon that. I think the very first thing I ever watched was The First Ring, which mm. I got very fittingly in a really crusty, decrepit VHS tape from an online uh, video. Uh, just some guy in, like, Iowa where you, you know, you'll, you'll send him a, a physical money order of, like, seventy nine ninety five, and he'll dub some like fourth generation tapes of movies that, cause this was way before even DVD or anything. This was when I was in uh, high school. Mm. So I remember I sent away and you could get seven from his big master list on his GeoCities website or whatever. <laughs> um, and I got uh, wild zero. I got ring. I got versus, I got battle Royale and I got, I think it might've been pulse. Um, so a bunch of classics in there, but ring was the one that absolutely devastated me. Um, and just completely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older and I was in, I grew up in a small town outside of Toronto, um, which is like the big, the big Canadian city near me. Mm. Um, and then, you know, eventually I'd, I'd be able to go into the city, um, on trips with my dad. And there were, there's a store that used to be here called Suspect Video, um, which would have, uh, slightly higher quality uh, DVD rips of various movies. And that's where I first saw in university um, Noroi. And uh, along with a bunch of other stuff, I saw Ghostwatch around the same time. And between Ghostwatch and Noroi, that, those two completely devastated me. And, and uh, so I was just, as I was saying, I, uh, I guess I discovered Noroi the Curse when I was working at a, um, a small video store, horror-centric video store in Toronto called Suspect Video that also um, burned down. Um, much like the what? yeah, eventually it did burn down. Uh, but be before it did, I got 
a chance to see a bunch of really stu- really cool stuff that has been kind of a touchstone for me since like uh, Ghostwatch, uh, Nora the Curse, um, and a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, and yeah, it just completely blew my mind. Um, I'd never seen a found footage horror movie uh, like Noroi. Mm. Um, it is. I'd seen like Blair Witch Project and stuff like that, but nothing quite like that as sprawling as that. And uh, yeah, it just like so it cemented itself as as one of my top ten favorite movies and, and has stayed that way since since then for like the last sixteen years, I guess. I love that you came to it via janky old videotape because isn't that like the best way to come across? Um, especially Japanese horror yes. and especially found footage. Because, you know, there's something about Noroi. Um, basically, for anyone who's, who saw Noroi before 2017, I think it's a given that you didn't see it in the most uh, legally acquired way, shall we say? You still can't, I don't think. I mean, I think it was on Shutter briefly. I don't even know if it's still on there or not, but it's not, um, not available everywhere. It's not. No, it's on Shudder UK because I did watch it on there earlier. Um, I think it was on Shudder in Canada for a while, but I don't know if it's still in the US. But it, but even before that, you know, it it was simply not available yeah. um, back in the day. You had to either get a bootleg VHS or you had to pirate it, um, which added to this feeling that, you know, when you did manage to find it, you were watching something truly cursed like i i don't remember exactly when i came to it it was probably around what i call like my formative j-horror years which was about early 20s university much same. same as yourself yeah. um i i had not seen a whole amount of found footage before that and like like you mentioned i had never seen anything as realistic as noroi um you know everything like the tv segments and from having lived in japan and watched japanese tv they are spot on <laughs> like those those weird paranormal psychic investigation shows with celebrities like reacting to everything yeah they are on like daily like daytime tv so i remember when i first watched it and i i genuinely genuinely believed that it was real um, and I think that's something that you see throughout a lot of Shiraishi's work is that he's really good at realism, even in the films like Occult, which go very crazy towards the end. And, you know, the, the CGI, if we can even call it that, gets a little bit janky. There's something so realistic about the found footage that he presents and it makes it all the more terrifying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And. I'm a, a staunch defender of the Shirashi uh, CG effects. I think, I think that it's it's got to be mostly intentional. I think that there's obviously mm-hmm. budgetary. He's working under budgets on all of his projects, but I feel like almost the way that he uses special effects is the same way that someone like David Lynch uses special yes. effects, mm-hmm. um, where he l- kind of leans into the digital quality of of like the janky CG and the weird way, uh, like the weird compos- compositing. Um, and it ends up being a really unnerving effect if you let it get to you. Like, I think that without revealing or without um, spoiling Occult too much, I think that the final scene in Occult is is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And if it had been achieved in a much more um, uh, uh, professional, uh, moneyed way, I don't think it'd be anywhere near as scary as it ends up being. And that kind of tracks all through, like, from Occult onward into the, the Sinritsu uh, Kaki uh, series and the way that he really doubles down on those effects in those. Um, but yeah, I, I love those effects. <laughs> oh, there's there's something as well because they're not you know photorealistic. There's something uncanny about them that I think again makes them more realistic. If you were to present like a perfect horror horror horrific image that was the the exact representation of hell or you know a perfect demon spirit. In a way, it kind of t- a glossy and shiny presentation is less scary than yeah, uh, something that's a bit rough around the edges. Of course, and then even contextually and like uh, 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 in-universe idea, you're filming these cosmic eldritch entities that are not from our plane of existence. Who's to say it wouldn't look like a j- janky like digital effect, like showing up on a weird camcorder? You know, right? There's no way for us to know. And it, if anything, uh, having it just be like of our world and moving like something that's in our, something recognizable, it would be less othering and less scary because it's, it's more familiar, I guess. There's something Shiraishi does really well as well. Um, which again, brings me back into where I can, I think in your art, I can see Shiraishi influences is the, 
a lot of his scarier scenes are like split second captures. Yeah. Um, which is something I feel like I get a lot from your work. It looks like it's been taken by someone running away oh, thank um, you. from the creature, which is like, I, I love that because that's the, you know, I'm thinking of the ending of like Slip Mouth Woman, uh, the, the Senri Tsukaiki one. Yes, where yes. It's such a good <laughs> it's like, scare. It's such a good scare, but it's just this one, you know, split second shot of her weird face in the hallway. And that's it. There's nothing more. There's no movement. There's, you know, you get this one image and you're forced to sit with it. Yeah, and it's such a cool split mouth woman design. And it's the only mm. time in the movie you see it. And it's for one frame. Um, I did a whole watch with those movies. You, you can't get them, you know, legally now, but you know, you can, mm. there's, there's some uh, dedicated discords and people who are like translating and, and getting it out there. I think they're all on YouTube now. Everybody should they watch are, those yeah. series. It's great. Um, but, you know, when we were watching it, when I was watching it with friends, we called that the uh, the Shirashi Gacha. The Shirashi Gacha. <laughs> yes. It's I where he'll, that. like, show something, and then he'll, like, pause it, and then slow it, play it again and slow down, and then do a scary zoom in, and be like, ah, I was there the whole time. That's the Gacha. Um, and I love that whenever it pops up. I That's my favorite thing. He does it so many times in Noroi, and it's the best. <laughs> he, he does I, and i love i love like you said the the slow zoom um because it's like just when you thought you've had the horror of seeing it then we have to see it again but we have to zoom in on it we zoom in on it um, and they're like they died three days later yeah, <laughs> yeah. so reputation wise i think a lot of people consider noroi to be uh, the scariest found footage of all time and uh for a long time i did class it as the most frightening film i had ever seen I would still class it in my top five along with um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse, which mm. you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Is it is it one of the scariest found footage movies of all time? And in your opinion, like what are some of the, the moments that make it deserving of that title? Yeah, I think it's less... Um, I do think it's one of the scariest movies of all time. For me, they're, I, they're scarier, but I think it's like the top five for sure. Mm -hmm. Like Black Christmas is more, much more uh, immediate and, and frightening uh, for me. But it, of course, it's all, you know, subjective. There's not going to be an objective like this is the scariest thing. Um, but I think that it works for so many people. And what works best for me isn't so much any one moment, though there are a ton of very good moments throughout. Mm -hmm. um, it's the way that it's put together. Like you could you could have the same story. But it would be, but on one tape, like just following the main character, whose name escapes me, mm -hmm. around. Um, but he, Shirashi doesn't do that. He he makes his world compelling by making this movie a composite of like all these different sources. You get the the game show footage, you get the mm -hmm. the interviews, um, the the paranormal show where they bring on uh, you know, the, the guy in the tinfoil hat. All kinds of stuff, all working together to kind of Im imply what's happening and imply a world mm. that's bigger than what you're seeing that you just wouldn't get that kind of expansive like context and that expansive like world building and like the the way that it pulls you in if it was all one traditional like if this was a north american found footage movie it would be a just just his tape um and then maybe the extra mm -hmm. framing of it being like he went missing and it showed up in a box um yeah. Which I love, by the way. But, like, having it just be all this different stuff, newspaper reports and little security camera clips and all kinds of stuff, it just really makes the world feel huge and it makes it feel um, also claustrophobic. Like, it feels like this is... It's happening everywhere. Like, it's just... It's all around you and, and there's no way to escape this this doom that's coming because it, it's just so good. It's really good in that way. Um, and the way that it reveals its story... Um, and just like, just telling you just enough to, to keep you going. Yeah. It like drip feeds it to you, doesn't it? And we, we get, we start to, we start to, as an audience, we start to put the pieces together. Like I'm yeah. thinking close, close to the beginning when, uh, the young girl Kana is on the game show. Um, she draws a picture of Kagutaba. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's presented like, oh, it's a mistake. She drew that because they have to draw what's inside the little canister and she gets it, yeah. quote unquote, wrong. Um, which, you know, to, to us as an audience, we're like, oh, that's strange. But then when we meet Kagutaba's face later, they don't even refer back to Kana's drawing. We just clock as an audience. We're like, oh, shit, that's the thing that she drew. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's again, it's the, the thing of like not being spoon fed um yeah the answers absolutely there's a trust with the uh, with the audience 
the the way that the information is drip fed fed to the audience, like you were saying, is really uh, confident and it, not something you see in a lot of these movies. Like, there's a lot of moments where he'll wind it back and be like, "Look, there's the scare," but uh, you know, almost on the uh, like almost counterintuitive to that is is how much he trusts the audience with the story. Where, especially in the beginning, they're dripping out like, "Oh, stuff keeps pointing to like newborn babies in all these really strange ways." Like when they're analyzing the clip from the house and it's like the newborn babies cry. And then the next thing is the game show, which ends with the hair follicles and the reveal that they're like not developed enough to be from a grown person. So they're also from a baby. And then whenever I feel like there's a moment when he can, he wants you to kind of put these things together. There's like a five to 10 second, like just cut to black before the next one where you're supposed to be doing that mental math. And uh, I just really like that. I, it'd be so much easier and it'd be better for him. I, it wouldn't be better, but it would be like uh, a more, a more uh, guaranteed to be successful if he, he spelled it out. And he doesn't do that. I really appreciate that, you know. It's, again, it's this confidence that you mentioned that he, so I think I've seen a lot of people that don't like Nonoi is because they've been turned off by how slow it is and how the scares are, I guess, less on a larger scale than one someone who's not familiar with shiraishi or japanese horror in general might be expecting you know something more more explosive or more terrifying but what i like about shiraishi is he has the confidence to put these these little moments in now and then and lets them speak for themselves you know there are a few moments in noroi that still make me like sick to my stomach like there's a moment when uh, Marika, the girl we see on the psychic show she's at um uh, their house because kobayashi's wife is looking after her and after they make lunch, she turns away from the camera and she just starts making the most god-awful groaning yeah, sound. That's and such it's a good like, part. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. It's like completely inhuman. And it honestly sends shivers up my spine every single time. Um, as does the end, the very at the very end, um, yeah. when H Hori breaks in back back into that the Kobayashi house and bludgeons the boy's head in there's a split second where he stands up and he's kagutaba like yeah oh my god it's terrifying i was so focused on that particular like the fact that his face is kind of morphed into kagutaba that i didn't even notice that uh the little girl is standing in the corner yes. behind yeah, him yeah, yeah. i didn't catch that for like three or four viewings of it She's, yeah it's very very subtle only there for a second um that whole last scene is is such a great payoff to everything that's come before and it's so brutal I feel like, you know, Noroi, is, it is a slow film. I, I like that about it. Me too. And again, with Shiraishi's work, it's slow until it isn't. And then you've got five minutes to get yourself prepared because shit is going to kick off. You know, the house is burning down. Keiko has set herself on fire. Hori's gone off with Kagutaba the demon. Kobayashi, is he alive? Is he, you know, where is he? Who knows? All we know is that within five minutes chaos just utter chaos yeah yeah it's it's wonderful um i love that uh shirashi uh still won't talk about noroi and treats it like it's real footage that was sent to him he won't talk Does about he it really? yeah uh, to, to my knowledge he still won't like if it gets brought up in interviews for his latest movie or whatever he just says uh i won't talk about it oh, wow. I, I didn't it, i just got it. it it arrived in a box and i just released it I love I love that about him because he's he's a director who he loves blurring the lines. You know, in a cult, he's he's in a cult as yeah. himself. Yeah. Um. So you know, he he very much plays with this division between reality and fiction, which I think a lot of Japanese horror likes to do. You know, we see it we see it in Pulse with the line between reality and the internet. We see it in uh, Ringu with the line between uh, reality and you know yeah the tape. videotape yeah. And I love that liminal space that Japanese horror exists in. And I think there was a really, there was a golden moment in the early 2000s where they got it right and yeah. sadly haven't I'm, got I'm the hoping, glory I'm hoping it'll come back for sure. Yeah, but, but definitely there was that boom in the early 2000s where mm -hmm. um, just kind of classic after classic were being released. Um, but yeah, absolutely, you're correct. The, the relationship with media being explored through like these these haunted ghost films um with pulse and, and ring and uh you know the found footage stuff especially shirashi a lot of most of the shirashi stuff being in the found footage format plays in that same arena i think well i'm just even thinking now in noroi we have um Ma manika matsumoto 
is a real celebrity in Japan, and she plays herself in this film. And then another of Shiraishi's films, I think it's Shirome, um, yeah, the, where it's the, the girl, the girl group. The group, yeah. I haven't, I've not seen that yet, that one quite yet. It's like one of the few things of his I have not seen. Uh, but it sounds really interesting in the fact that they use a real uh, girl group just scared the crap out of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun, and again, it, it's it does the whole Shiraishi like stop. He is a horrible thing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it was in the corner the whole time looking yes, at it. Yes, yeah. exactly, yes. So let's, I wanted to talk to you about something that I see in a lot of Shiraishi's work in general, but especially in Nuroi, is this sense of cosmic horror. Um, so I read a great blog piece by Hyper Real Film Club. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and they described Nuroi as a buffet of cosmic hatred. Ooh. Isn't that Ooh. just like the perfect <laughs> way to describe? Yeah, I love that. Noroi. You know, Shiraishi's work I find in general carries these themes of like of hopelessness, of of insignificance in the face of evil. He, you know, he's even gone. He's he's portrayed realms of hell that are unlike anything we've ever seen. We mentioned a little bit earlier about the ending of a cult. Spoiler. But, you know, the hell that he presents to us is very Lovecraftian almost. It's even got tentacles in it. Um, And we do see tentacles a lot in Shiraishi's work, I think, more in general. Um, What about you? Do you see, like, a cosmic horror and, like, an existential dread in Noroi? Yeah. um, It's funny that you 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 mentioned that quote, describing it as a, a buffet of cosmic hatred, because that really hits the nail on the head. And the difference between, for me, something like Shirashi's world of of cosmic horror and something like Lovecraft had going on, where I think generally a lot of the time cosmic horror is about our insignificance and Mm. how we're just, you know, uh, minuscule and beneath the notice of anything uh, in an overly hostile universe. Whereas I think the difference is that with Shirashi... um, we're, we're still that tiny. We're so, still that small in the grand scheme of things, like Lovecraft said. But where he had insign with the uh, you know obscurity, where we're we're below anything's notice. Uh, everything out there hates us in Shiraz's yes. world. Um, we're we're nothing, and also there are grand forces that just despise us on a cosmic mm-hmm. level, um, and that is uh, scarier. In, especially in the context of you know his various projects, Shirashi's various projects, um, but yeah, definitely tons of cosmic horror imagery. Um, you know, not blanching it, even showing the other the other realms, which uh, I don't think anybody working with cosmic horror has really ever done or attempted to do mm-hmm. in a uh, in a way as scary as Shirashi ends up making it, um, despite budgetary limitations. I think that. Um, you know, if there's any justice in the world, you know, in the next 10 years or whatever, they're going to look back on Shirashi's body of work, especially in this cosmic horror stuff with the Senritsu series, you know, Occult, Cult, and, and Noroi specifically as being just kind of masterworks of like DIY found footage horror cinema. Um, mm-hmm. The Senritsu uh, series, especially if that ever gets a proper release outside of Japan, um, it's the the way that that series starts out as kind of traditional found footage and by the end is very much uh something that i've never ever seen before ever in any compat capacity is like it it needs recognition it's incredible um and it might be overall one of the best works of cosmic horror i've ever seen oh yeah completely i mean like you said that it starts as you know we, we're looking into urban legends in japan and then we end up in god knows where you know these <laughs> these hyper realistic realms um kudo is still running around with that the yeah. lock of matted <laughs> hair <laughs> it's like just hits people with listeners you have to check out this senri tsukaiki file series um and, and then you will know the asshole that is kudo um one of shiraishi's best characters but any situation anytime he's afraid or scared he gets that you know that hair out of his pocket and starts, starts punching people, people. it's great <laughs> I, I described it to a friend as like if you took a like a minor side character from the Yakuza game series yes. and stuck him in in a Japanese fan footage horror movie and oh, just let oh, him try great. and solve everything with his fists. Going back to the cosmic horror thing, I I think why I enjoy Shinichi's work so much is there's something 
profoundly unknowable about his work. You know, as realistic as his work feels, there's always this this sense of divide, this uncanniness that we can't really... I feel like you could never really exist in one of Shiraishi's worlds. They're not, they're not for us to exist in. Yeah. And there's also this sense of, in Noroi specifically, this sense of hopelessness. You know, we, we start the film with the knowledge that Kobayashi is missing. So it, it's no longer the anxiety of if it's going to happen. It's the dread of when is it going to happen. Um, you know, despite their best efforts to rescue her, Kana ends up dead. You know, Japanese horror loves to kill off a child. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. will say that. Um, which, you know, how can that not be the most dreadful thing in the world? And then just as you think that Kobayashi and the young boy are going to have this happy ending, it all kicks off in that magnificent ending that we've already talked about. But there are so many, you know, few and very far between positive moments throughout Shiraishi's work that <laughs> you don't watch a Shiraishi film and come away feeling feeling great no yeah and like you know most other uh films or, or directors would you know they might be bleak in terms of the main characters don't make it out but these films like the the little girl who lived next door to a mm -hmm. side character dies just yes. because they were in this aura of 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 hatred and in this this cosmic aura that just envelops anything that comes near everybody all, everybody dies in that movie i don't mm -hmm. think anybody really I don't think anybody lives at the end at all, do they? When no, just well, the, the, the pop singer uh, yeah. does make it out, I think. Marika survives yes. and by all intents and purposes does, you know, we, we assume that she lives a normal life, um, but nobody else makes it out. You know, people are burned alive. People are, you know, Hori is stuffed into a what looks like a drain um yeah, and, you know and yeah. it's horrible and like you mentioned even people who were not even directly involved like um marika's upstairs neighbor who i her name escapes me but she's she has nothing to do with it and they even have an interview with her before where she says no i feel fine like i haven't heard any weird stuff and then she's dead like in the next yeah. scene um it's just this yeah this like horrible again cosmic hatred is the best way to describe it that just seeps in to everything um which brings us kind of nicely onto my next point, which I have been thinking about um, is, and I'm going to maybe going out on a limb here, but Kagutaba, could we see a metaphor for mental illness here or a metaphor for depression perhaps? Yeah. I mean, I think that that can definitely like be read into um, something like this, especially with, Mr. Hori and like mm. the way that his character could be interpreted. There's a lot of things to do with that. Um, I like to take the, I like to take it at face value because I think that that is the most interesting. Yes. Uh, especially with their description of Kagutaba as um, they call it a demon just because that's the closest possible mm -hmm. thing they can name it, but it's not a demon like <clears throat> at all. Uh, it's, it's uh, what is it? The two, the characters mean um, tool and disaster. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is just so interesting to me. Um, but yeah, you can absolutely read it as uh, depression or, or, or mental health issues if you wanted to go in that direction, I think. Being depressed myself, I kind of read into it a lot of things. But again, going back to Japanese horror more in general, I, I have almost always got the feeling from my favorite J-horror films that there's something I can take away here about depression. You know, Japanese society as a whole famously is one that does not deal with depression very well um no yeah I, I can't think of many societies that do but you know japan has this is this notoriously high suicide rate that you know there's a this cultural desire to save face and to conform and not be a burden or not place pressure on your family or society you know i think something like noroi um, but not just Noroi, because I'm thinking we have seen like mental health issues in other Shiraishi works, especially in Occult, where, you know, Eno is oh, suicidal. Yeah. Like the main character of Occult is very mentally unstable. Um, but, you know, we get this presentation of, of Hori, the psychic in Noroi, who is a very unstable, possibly schizophrenic person. He is the only person at the beginning who truly believes in Kagutaba. Um and as a result, he is outcast, you know, he's homeless, he, he, he's basically unable to participate in normal life. Um, and then, you know, we've got 
things like mass suicides that happen. We, we have the seven people that kill themselves in the park. The correlation between mental illness and demons is not not new in horror, like by any means. You just have to look at like any any Western horror for the last couple of years and you can see the metaphor there. But I don't know. I just I think there's something that I take away from Noroi to mean, you know, there, there's something here about people not not helping each other and not seeing each other if that makes sense it does yeah and i feel like like you mentioned you know you've seen this this demons as a metaphor for mental illness or um or our depression in in western media um but as soon as you take it out of the christian context it becomes a little more interesting and especially in a j-horror context like with what you're talking about with some of the issues and and uh how maybe depression isn't handled in the best way um i can definitely see that the way that um, there is no hope in these ghost movies. It's just this sucking mm-hmm. hole that like drags everyone in, in any proximity into it. This doom, like the doom levels in J horror are just off the charts. <laughs> off the charts completely. Whereas, you know, you get a possession movie or, or a go or a haunting movie in, in the West. Uh, you know, a lot of the times people make it and, uh, you know, there's a happy ending in some capacity or, you know, in, in the most extreme examples, you get the conjuring films with the Warrens and, you know, Christ shows literally shows oh, up God. and kicks the demon's ass or whatever. Um, and that's just really boring, uh, to mm-hmm. me. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, you like J horror, like the Juon films, the ring films, especially all, mm. all of Shirashi's stuff really do embrace that doom and that, uh, depression. I can definitely see. Yeah. I'm wondering if, and I am in no way an expert in any way, shape or form, but I'm wondering if, as you said, a more cultural-wide conversation is that Japan doesn't subscribe to like an Abrahamic religion. There's not this this sinful idea of suicide or, or heaven and hell. Uh, you know, in, in Shinto, they have, I believe, like kami, which is different gods, and every everything you know pretty much has its own god. But the again, there's this line, there's this blurring of lines between humans and gods that in in Shinto religion or in Japanese culture more in general, gods and demons and spirits are not unknowable they are yeah very much you know living among us i mean i the thing the thing about jr that does depress me though is i mean if if noroi is and you know i don't think it's as, as simple as saying this is this and this is this but if it was a metaphor or did have a spin on mental illness it's a pretty hopeless one. Oh yeah <laughs> because... it sure is yeah i wouldn't <laughs> oh. you know, kagutaba is is as far as we know is unable to be defeated um you know he changes form to infiltrate this family maybe it's not a comment on you know defeating depression with goodness and light but more a comment on you know not becoming complacent and to remember that depression exists and it's real and it can take you down at the last minute I'm unsure because on one hand I do want to think that, but on the other hand I just think I just want to think it's a cool movie yeah, <laughs> about yeah. a demon. And it, you know, you look at the one person who you know by the end of the film has survived that we think mm. has the, is the one who did that the ritual successfully on the on the mm. lake the 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 singer. Um, so maybe it's about like not defeating it, but just like getting by. Because I think the ritual initially with with Kagutaba was just uh, to make him complacent to keep him. Mm-hmm um away for a while and the fact that they couldn't do that is what has given him all this power where you know you leave this thing unchecked and it can grow um in darkness Mm -hmm, definitely i love i love that takeaway from it um and as as depressing as noroi is i i still consider it you know a film that i can revisit multiple times absolutely Um, i'm just wondering when is it going to get a physical release it's wild. We get like, there are so many movies, especially now when physical media is just being like, not, it's just not happening anymore for certain titles. Like it just won't, you won't be able to get them in that capacity. And we're still getting like, you know, four, we're getting 4k releases of the movies that we have on Blu-ray, <laughs> the movies that we had on DVD, the movies that we had on VHS, all this stuff that is uh, crying out for an audience for mm. eyes on it. It's just not available in any of those formats. And I don't know if it will ever get those. Like, the what I would do for a Blu-ray of Haunted School. I don't know if you've seen Haunted School. I haven't, but I'm I'm already sold. I'm already. It's invested. incredible. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link. You can't get it Thank anywhere. Um, Yay! It's Haunted School. There's a movie called Spider Labyrinth. I've wanted on Blu-ray or anything for a long time. You can only watch it on YouTube in this crusty, like, uh, pre-VHS grain. Um, 
it's just it's 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 wild what gets held up and gets the crystal clear 4k mm-hmm. kind of like it's lost and um especially noroi it it's so popular now mm-hmm. i feel like there's such a cult following for all of shirashi's work and it's just not available you just can't do it i mean i think that any day now we're i think any day now we gotta have a announcement that that's coming we got to i mean the, the lengths you mentioned just now about like youtube rips but the lengths i have gone to to find certain j horrors like when i was 15 I, I saw tales of terror from tokyo which was uploaded by some saint um as individual little movies and that changed my life and they've been taken down and it's such a tragedy because it's always like it always seems to be like these these Japanese films or even just foreign films in general that are so hard to come across in the West and you know very often don't have correct translations and you know I would just I would you know please take my money for a physical release of Noroi or because if we don't we're gonna lose them and that is this that's the scariest thing to me well you don't want the, the sixth uh blu-ray release of uh army of darkness boom <laughs> no i'm good seven <laughs> you don't need a yet another one no of those. I'm, my shelf Instead. is creaking with that <laughs> you know, yeah <laughs> I, i've got space carved out for a little Noroi, and that's why i was so happy with um arrow recently and it was only available in, in the UK, which is, we never get anything cool over here, but Arrow, obviously, UK company represent, they did a 4K um, box set of Juwan. And, I want it oh so bad. God. I don't have a, I, I don't have a region free player You gotta yet, get it. So you gotta get it. I gotta it. get one. That's my, that's my big next it's thing. It's so, it's so good. And not only does it have, like, the four main Juwans, it also has Black Ghost and White Ghost, which... I've heard Black Ghost and White Ghost are amazing. So, I haven't seen them yet, so but... They're, like, White Ghost is, is like we mentioned, one of those films where I was combing the depths of the internet, you know, poorly translating in, in Japanese, like trying to like post on forums to see if people could send it to me. And the amount of people I've seen post on Twitter and talk about that they've now seen this film, it's so heartwarming. And that's what that's what we're missing out on with, with these films not getting their releases. And I just think it's tragic. They would do so well. They would do so well. Like, just a sheer... I'm waiting for Arrow to announce, like, a Shirashi box oh. set. Just give me, like, cult, Norai, occult, um, in, like, tons of extras. It would it would sell like crazy. Yep. And I'm, I'm a little... I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the doors are opening in that direction because we just got that beautiful Ghostwatch box mm-hmm. set um, from 101 Films, I think they're called. Um, which I got, and it just needs to go next. I need Nora right next to that. It needs to happen. Um, mm-hmm. You, you in the UK, the Arrow does have so many more good movies yeah. available than than over Arrow here. Arrow are doing God's work. There's also a company who I think are relatively new called Four. Uh, what are they called? Four, 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 four. Lots of fours. Error, error. Four, 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 four. Um, okay. They did a release of Funky Forest Warped Forest box set. Um, so good. And they did, they just did Centipede Horror and Red Spells Red. I got Centipede Horror. I did hear about oh, that. It's so good. I don't know if I can hear, but I don't know if I can watch that. I, don't like <laughs> I haven't much. watched it's it yet. Good. Honestly, I haven't, I haven't uh, watched it. I just got it for like, because I was like, again, if I don't get this film, one one day it's going to disappear and it's not going to be able to be found anywhere. So I want to I wanna get it and I want to treasure it. Um, But no, we, we need another Halloween box set for sure. <laughs> it's so strange that you can... You know, there's so much that is on Blu-ray, but then there's such a wide gulf of stuff that's just missing. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there's stuff at the furthest end that's being, like, picked up by these uh, boutique Blu-ray companies. Like, I can go into a store, and I can go into a Walmart and buy, like, a 4K edition of uh, Ebola syndrome. <laughs> Wait, really? Is... Can you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. Shit. Vinegar Syndrome <gasps> released a big, fancy re-release of oh, that, which is just, like, iconic. an abhorrent film. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, all this stuff is lost in the middle, um, and uh, you just got to hope and, and yell at the companies, and, and which I do. Every time I post about Shirashi, I tag, like, Scream Factory and Vinegar Syndrome and um, Arrow, and hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll, they'll do it. I think if anyone's got the reach to do it, you've got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, uh, the main uh, bonus of having a big following on social media is you can post other – you can show people's art that, and get eyes on it that uh, you wouldn't otherwise – you know, quite get the audience quite there. And you can also yell at companies to release movies you love. And hopefully they'll eventually do it. All I ask is if you do manage to get Senu Tsukaiki, 
release, can you please put my name down to write an essay about kudos? Kudos. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, they'll get me to do the the art for it. I can draw some ectoplasmic worms. Oh my god, you've got to <laughs> please. That would be amazing. Oh, I have one more one more little question for you, just before we wrap up. Um, I was recently thinking about Norroy's influence um on you know found footage in general and two films that i thought i can really see noroi in is uh lake mungo um, oh, yeah. and horror in the high desert which was a recent one that came out who the director's name yeah. escapes me i really enjoyed that one yeah it did that thing oh. it did that shiraishi thing that the here's the thing um the gotcha, <laughs> the gotcha. Yes, yes yes you're the found footage expert as far as i'm concerned is there any shiraishi or noroi influences that you can you know think of in any films you've seen recently um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of found footage recently that I would say is strongly Shirashi inspired, but I think that there's elements of his work in basically every found footage movie that's come out since. Like, you know, you think about the the still photography in um, Savage Land. Mm. Um, I can see that being like the slow zooms on that kind of thing mm. feel very Shirashi. Um, I think that there's definitely some influence. The one that pops out in my mind the most is being influenced by him is uh murder death korea oh my god i love that film again where where is it yeah exactly well that one is very controversial the director hasn't even uh unknown. put his name on it he's unknown and you know you know it's it's I'm, I'm always a little iffy about uh recommending that one because it is inspired by a it's quite exploitative mm -hmm. of a real life murder mm -hmm. that happened but you know on the other hand it is terrifying and really effective. Like it's mm -hmm. such a scary movie um, in that kind of Shirashi mode um, that I hope it does get some recognition at some point in some capacity. But that definitely feels like out of everything that's come out since, aside from Shirashi's actual work, that one feels the most like his work, I think to me, maybe that one. And yeah, I'd say, I'd say that one. There's other ones like the tunnel that feel like wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Much yeah. More mm -hmm. Like wrecky. Um, or you know Blair Witch, you know Blair Witch Project inspired kind of stuff, but that one feels shrashy. <laughs> oh, definitely, and and you know Murder Death Korea Town also has the the fact that you can't find it legally anywhere, so it's yeah, it, it, no, it's yeah, the it's... whole shirashi, like the unknowable shirashi thing again. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree. I got I got some weird cosmic horror vibes from from that film too, especially not knowing who the director is. Um. So yeah, I would advise listeners if you can find it to watch it. I I have heard uh, good things about the Outwaters, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but that I just a got a screener of that. I'm gonna watch that like tonight or, or Ooh, tomorrow. I think. Yeah, let yeah. me know how it is because I've I heard it's quite frightening. The other big one, I don't even know if you can. I I, I my gut reflex was to call it found footage, but it's not. Is some um, uh, ink. but I feel like it's almost like terrifying. You know, yeah, oh my god, I've seen it. It's scary. I got Sweat I gotta, pouring down my face. I got a screener of that, and I'm going to see it in, th in theaters on the 13th. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that'll be interesting. I'm you know, debating how high or not to be for that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, are, you're, you're braver than the troops, if you can do it. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I can't, no, Skin and Marine absolutely rocks. And again, it, it, that suffered very much from you know the, the pirating and being... Um, you know circulated but it again it had that cursed video feel to it and seeing it go viral making people think it was cursed that you know that in itself was pretty cool to see um and i'm just glad that it's getting not the pirating was cool to see obviously you know what i mean the yeah, yeah the curse the curse rumors i hope that the uh the the publicity you know that that happened when it got pirated can like carries over when it's in a way that it can be, you know, you can support it now. And I, I hope people go and see it in theaters or stream it or, or whatever gets dollars to the guy. Because I it's hope very they scary. will. I, th yeah. I have high hopes. I mean, I in general, I think people are shitty, but I do think people, <laughs> I think enough people will think, hey, it's not cool, you know, to take this artist's work and when we're benefiting from it. So let's, you know, let's go out and support it. And listener, that means you too. Um, yeah, it is out in theater soon, so please do go and see it, and hopefully we will get a physical release for that too. I hope so. You know, um, you know, we're not getting a physical release, to my knowledge, of Barbarian. We're not getting a physical release of Incantation because Netflix is the devil. Oh my um, god, that that is wild to me because the 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 freaking artwork of Incantation would be so good. Oh, oh my god, yeah. I hope eventually beautiful. we can 
that'll happen in some capacity, but I think Netflix would have to just fall apart completely for that to release all of its treasures. Like God willing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, if something gets a, a Blu-ray these days and also has special features or it's, you know, nice in that way, then it's it's a miracle. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking about Naroy. There was no one else that I would rather have spoken to about the film. <laughs> Since I saw you posting about Seinu Tsukaiki, I was like, I've got to talk to him about Naroy. Um, so, yeah, thanks. This has been a really wonderful chat. And where can people find you across the internet and what can we look forward to coming soon from you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram, which is probably the best place to just see my art. I keep that pretty pure in that way at uh, Trevor Henderson, all one word, on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter while it still exists at uh, Slimy Swamp Ghost, all one word. Um, and that is where you want to, if you want to see my art. But also uh, Stupid Bullshit and also Horror Movie Recommendations. That's where I am. Um, besides that, stuff I'm working on. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm the creative director on a podcast uh, called the Mayfair Watcher Society. That is all yes. episodes, all inspired by characters that I've made. Um, they each get their own little scary little short story episode i think it's wonderful um we got much more, many more episodes thank you many more episodes coming i do all the art for it i'm creative director um and then hopefully we'll get a second season um besides that i have a kid's book that i can't say the name of or reveal the <laughs> anything specific about yet but that's hopefully coming soon for scholastic for for young readers middle grade readers there's some other stuff coming out this year that I'll eventually be able to talk about, but cannot yet. I got to do concept art for a big major motion picture for a bunch of monsters in it. Oh. Um, that I'll hopefully be able to uh, to talk about more soon because I'm really proud of the work I did for that. Oh, man. Um, yeah. That's all, I guess. No, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's a, more than yeah. most people do in their lifetime. Um, so yeah. <laughs> to have that justice, you know, you're upcoming, that's amazing. Um, yeah, everyone, make sure that you are following Trevor for the updates on those as of now unannounced projects because I sure as hell will be. If you're not already, follow me, Twitter, Instagram, at Hornbloodfire. Uh, at the time of posting this, I will still be on my, my Twitter hiatus, so uh, Instagram is probably better. Um, subscribe to my newsletter on my website and follow my writing wherever it is. Oh, I will do that. Um, oh, thank you. you. <laughs> I didn't know you had a newsletter. I'll, I'll subscribe. Uh, thank yes. you. I do have a newsletter, yeah. and it's actually one of the – I didn't think it would be popular, but it's one of the things people seem to enjoy. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2023, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.